Hey, thanks for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast, the show where a couple of visual storytellers get together to take on various topics that tend to occur, uh, to bubble up, to present themselves, to rear their heads when one goes off on this adventure of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I am a cartoonist and a teaching artist, and the other host is... And a wild topic appears. Uh, hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger, a UX designer, and uh, I also make video games. Oh, good to see you again, Rob. Uh, is it is it looking like afternoons on Thursdays is going to be the new recording time? I think let's yeah let's see what this let's see if this works. Let's keep this is our third um, third Thursday at noon in a row, noon Eastern, eleven <clears throat> Central. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm. I guess we'll give it a few more weeks and see if this if this pattern continues. And if it does, then we'll we'll establish a new official time. Um, yeah. For, for the folks who want to chime in on on the live streams and as we approach uh, different live stream technologies, that's the other one that's got to change in the uh, weeks to come. Is hope. I mean, we'll still have a presence on YouTube, but like uh, the the way we stream to YouTube is changing. So we might have to mm-hmm. look into some other technologies with regard to that. Um, so I guess that's a reason to not get too um, uptight or prescriptive about like establishing uh, a, a new official time because we still don't even know how we're going to be doing it in the next month or so, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, so we're we're sharing the news that that it's ongoing we're figuring it out and maybe the time maybe the time is stabilizing but then the other dimension of tools and other stuff uh is still it's going to be in flux uh that's just how it goes when you know you use these big platforms um you know things happen uh let's see so you have uh you know oh gosh it's funny there's a sort of piece of software that sometimes i set aside in my head and because uh, I don't, I don't think of this. I'll, I'll think, what, what are these? Um, the kind of uh, when you set a when you set a goal and you're going to have a measure for your project, and so you have, you have key performance indicators. And then you have our KPIs, as a lot of people call them, or you you have your um, uh, oh um, OKRs, outcomes, um, and key results, right? And so some combination of those you could use, you could use them interchangeably. You, some, ple- some people call them, you know, uh, like give them each a different job. Like OKR is for what we're doing new and different. And so for meeting our OKRs, that's me- that means we're evolving. Our KPIs means we're keeping the lights on or whatever. So anyway, I mean, projects have all this judgment happening to them and, and they sometimes don't make it. I, don't, I wonder what the story is with um, the Google Hangouts and the streaming integration with YouTube because it's been great for us, but I don't know. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not crossing the, not making the number change enough or whatever to, uh, to keep that tool alive, but oh, well, it's been nice. Yeah, it has been nice, but now it'll be time to test some other, uh, different, different solutions, whether we do something with Twitch or using some combination of like Jitsi meat or some of these other different streaming technologies. Yeah. Um, it's tough. So many trade-offs with this too. I mean, would, if if anyone has thoughts or happy things and and, and uh, or favorites or like or or um, waving us off, right? Like, lean into art's pretty mellow. I don't know what I could do with this the the chat and then like 
I don't know, a barking dog that would pop up once or whatever. Like, what does or chaotic like, clean into art look like? Yeah, yeah. I was I was watching some uh, um, Twitch streams just to get a sense of like how the software works. I noticed that there's like the professional gamers who do it. They have like these leaderboards of like the like the current donation list. They'll have like this 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 uh, crawl going on in the bottom of the screen at all times. And yeah, it, it does seem it's it. It made me think back to my days working at a casino. It really gave me like a little bit of a cold shiver that way. Like, there's a lot of visual information happening on this screen right now, and uh, maybe, maybe that that would make us more of a purple cow in that situation. I don't know, but but yeah, we got we we've got some experimenting to do in the weeks to come, and that'll probably make for some really good topics for the show too as we experiment and you know reflect on what we encounter with trying out different platforms. So. But this show, we do it every week where we pick a topic and try to drill all the way down. And uh, this week, we're going to do, as the title suggested, uh, a walkthrough of some Clip Studio Paint basics. It's been a while since we've done like uh, sort of a broad overview of Clip Studio Paint, which is a drawing application that I've been using for every project I do for what now? Um, I want to say seven years. I think 2012 was the first time I employed it. When it was back when it was Manga Studio 4. Um, so... Um, it's been it's been a big part of my life for a long time now, and I really like the software. I um, I think it's incredibly useful for making comics. And we got a comment on our latest extra lean episode, which was what was you, you don't remember the title of that by any chance? I can pull it up. Um, we believe in you. We believe in you. That's right, because it was the one with uh, with excerpts from my appearance at Nerd Camp, uh, mine and my wife's appearance at the Nerd Camp um, draw off where. 1500 children screamed and screamed we played some audio from it in that episode you can get to it at patreon.com slash lean into art but one of our leaners commented on that episode and said that uh, they were working i think it was good to be curious was saying that they were working in clip studio paint just trying to get like their bearings on it and so i thought you know what this would be a good opportunity to do an hour where we just go through how i what my workflow is there's a lot of videos you can go to on youtube on how to set up clip studio paint but just a like uh, a brief overview of how to even get started drawing in it. I thought we could do that today. What do you think, Rob? I'd, I'd love that. I'm a, uh, I'm a occasional, no, I'm, I would say semi-frequent user of Clip Studio Paint. And it's just, it's a, it's a great tool. I use it on the iPad, but I am, I have not sort of had that uh, like, like you, what you're, I mean, you you have so much emphasis and focus on, that's what one of your the main things you do is make comics right so it's um yeah for me it's 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 a great gen, you know general purpose um uh drawing app but um but so i'm really i'm excited to hear from you know your perspective just you know which is so informed by this date this frequent practice uh and uh yeah and it has been a while so that's... Yeah, it has. It's been a little while, and yeah, I, I I spend at least a couple hours a day in this in this application, which wow, I mean, yeah. I, in, when I think about it that way, it's like that actually could justify the ten dollars a month if I wanted to get the iPad version, if I wanted to get an iPad, right? Like, but I, I bristle <laughs> at the thought of having to pay ten dollars a month for it. By the way, I should say Clip Studio Paint is a is it's a, a if you know if you haven't purchased it yet, it's very inexpensive software, comparatively speaking, compared to like Adobe Creative Cloud. It's, uh, I think at full price, $45 outright. And I think you can put it on up to two different machines. 
um, it's often on sale. It goes on sale all the time. And so if you if you are on the fence about it, just wait a couple of weeks and it'll go down to like twenty five or fifteen dollars. That's how much I paid for it. And uh, and it works on Mac, works on PC. Uh, it works great on um, the Windows ten screen devices like the Surface Pro and so on. And it works terrific on the iPad. Only downside of working on the iPad is that it is ten dollars a month. It's a subscription fee to have it. So, but if you use it every day, like I do, then I guess that would be a justified cost. And that would also be a business expense that I could uh, claim. So <laughs> you're getting close to that, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am. I mean, once I handled an iPad pro, I was like, Oh my gosh, this thing is light. And this thing is snappy. And that pencil's really nice. And I don't have tilt supports on my Vio canvas. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's things that it does that I'm just like, Oh, that's, that's very compelling. But then, like, I always stop myself saying, like, oh, but $10 a month. Mm. You know, like, I think I could probably swing it if I really, I mean, it's a, it, like I said, it, it feels very justified given how much I use it. So, all that prefacing, how about the music? <laughs> and I'm going to have to turn on screen sharing for this. Well, that, that felt like it was, like, possibly overpromising. <laughs> Uh, you're about to go to you know wage some artful (laughs) battle i guess (laughs) trying to not use the use the the that metaphor but yeah okay so i'm gonna count on you rob to keep an eye on the clock and uh on the chat because i all i can see right now is what's in front of me with uh clip studio paint so here is the interface of Clip Studio Paint. And I thought we could start out with like setting up a template and just beginning work on the page for the first half. And then in the second half, we can talk about some different drawing and um, some other like like comics page execution. Uh, and here is a page of finished art from Amazon Academy. Um, one of the first things, like the, probably like the biggest number one tip I could tell anybody who's going to be using the software is that it's marvelous in that... It, the interface gets the heck out of your way. As you can see, all of the menus are shunted to the right and the left and the top. But what that means is that all of your tools are nested in all these little subcategories. So if I go to a brush tool in the left-hand side of the screen, by the way, apologies to the people who are listening in the audio. We'll do our best to describe what I'm doing. Um, but this is definitely going to be one where you benefit from watching the video. Um in the second bar on the left, you can see that there are three different brush icons, plus there's like some color wheel icons. And there's even like this weird cue with like uh, an arrow in it. Now, these are all sub menus that I can open up just by tapping on it. And when I tap on the brush icon, we can see that I've got like one, two, three, there's nine different like collections of brushes I've got in here, right? Um, and then underneath that are like the, the char- uh, characteristics of each brush. So I can change its size, I can change its opacity, I could change the amount of anti-aliasing, and you can even change what they call stabilization, which is where you tell the CPU to interpret what you're doing to like smooth your line. Question, right. Jersey. Yes. So this looks really well. This your your setup looks more organized than my setup. Like I know I, I picked up some brushes from Friendin and stuff, mm-hmm. and I just sort of threw them in, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh so I kind of have a mess. Like how, <laughs> how did you uh what what was a little bit of your thinking for setting up your tools and like how long did it take you? 
to get disorder. Yeah. So, well, as we've said, I spend a couple hours a day with this at least, you know, and, and a lot of times upwards of five to seven hours a day with this. So I have spent a lot of time organizing this, this application. Um, and like the command bar at the top is actually pretty thoughtfully organized as well. So that when I hit the tab key, and all of my interface goes away. You can see in the top right, I've got um, icons to select my brush, my watercolor brush, my eraser, my magic wand tool and selection tool, and even the operation tool, which you use a lot in this application. Um, so like, there, you could even like make the entire interface vanish if you want to and just have that command bar there. Uh, so this is all very customizable, which, uh, I mean, making a new brush collection is super easy. Like, let's just go to, say, like my pencils. So here's all my pencil collection. And if I want to start a new pencil collection, I'll just grab the tool and I'll drag it up to the top where the, these little category tabs are and see where that red line forms. Mm-hmm. And that'll automatically create another collection of just that brush. Right? There's just that. Brush. And then so I can the eat- first thing you drag it to cause a new category sort of defines the category. Yep. For, and, okay. and then you can just drag your brushes into that collection. So it's, it, and you can change the name of the collections. I could say like, you know, soft pencils. And now that is just called soft pencils and whatever pencils I put in there. But um, I'll put that back where that was. And then that collection goes away, right? Um, so it takes a little bit of, you know, work to get this as organized as it is. And mine isn't even that organized, but it's, you know, I will admit that I've spent some time on it. So I have like a general inking brush collection. I have a, painterly slash watercolor brush collection and then i have a collection of pencils and then there's even um as you go down and play around with the different tool settings there's pattern brushes effects brushes you know you can do like a bunch of like uh basically like cloning stamp kind of brushes like this is a um a dry a foliage brush i made where you can easily make you know trees and bushes just by scrubbing around and you can change the amount of the density of the foliage so you can do like some Mm. and we'll go into making custom brushes a little bit later on um but anyway yeah that's a great effect so like there's there's this volume it reminds me it's like uh wow and then you throw in with a different brush a few branches and yeah that is a convince that's really convincing tree um it's it reminds me uh of the the classic spray paint mm-hmm. yeah uh, but but um but yeah i mean the, or what's so funny is like this it's such a practical thing though where the the classic spray paint in painting apps was almost practical for me right and uh uh and then the 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 wild cloning tools like i remember when uh, what painter had cloning put into it mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. image hose i think they called it yeah and yeah you could just start throwing things, but it was all like fully rendered butterflies and stuff, right? Where yeah, I'm yeah. like, is this practical? This was it, fun. It's but it's, that tree is awesome. Yeah, it's trivial to make these in Clip Studio Paint, and actually, there are things like fully rendered things, like here's um, a tree's brush, right? Where it just it makes trees, just like you're describing. Whoa, yeah, that's the image hose. Yeah, it's it's totally that. But like, I made my own, where I made a little random sampling of leaves. And then I can change their density and the like the amount of um, randomness so that so it's actually this is a tree that I is made of my drawings, right? And I have like a star field that I made as well. Like so, when I'm doing space scenes, I can easily just like populate the sky with stars. But 
Um, but anyway, that was just to, to describe to show everybody that like it, over on the right side, you have a bunch of different menus that you can customize, and this is where I keep my layers. This is where you can have your, um, you know, like Im- reference images uh, pulled up. Uh, and you can easily load new ones, and then your navigator, so you can move around the canvas and also flip the canvas. If you, which I use a lot when I'm doing my drawing to make sure that you know you're doing your mirror test. Um, but most of the time, I hang out in the layers palette. Now, how about we walk through setting up a brand new page? How I do it, at least. Like what I have here is here's a page of Amazon Academy, and this is the page template that I open every time I get started on a new page. But how do you even get to this point? So let's make a new document with Control N, Command N, or at the top of your screen, there's this little page icon with a little star next to it that creates a new page. Or you have your sub menus right here: File, New. There's always a trillion ways to do everything. And then, depending on you know what kind of document you're making, so it has use of work up here at the top. And this is like: Are you just doing an illustration? It's going to give you some options. Are you doing actually a comic page? Are you doing, you know, do you want to use all settings or even are you making animation? Which I don't ask me questions about animating because I don't use this software for that. Um, that's a completely different discussion. But if I say show all comic settings, then we get our options for, you know, width and height. And over here in the top right or just underneath the cancel button is we can change what units we want to measure by. I set mine to inches because I live in the United States, and that's like how most publishing is measured is in inches. But if I, you could also set it to work in centimeters, millimeters, pixels, and in points. Um, so I could set my height and width. And then down here in the bottom left, there is the option for manga draft settings. This is how you set your margins. So, you, so even though my document is going to be 7.17 inches wide by 10.12 inches tall, that's just an arbitrary number I just picked just for the purposes of, of you know this demonstration. You set your resolution. Basic expression color. This is like when you make a layer, what is it going to do? We'll talk about layer modes in, in a little bit, but I always have mine set to color. Um, but once you tap manga draft settings, then you can set what your actual margins are. What's your bleed area? What is going to be your final trim size? And you know you can download a, a template from Kablam to get their template sizes. If you're working for, on a project for a publisher, they often will give you this information up front. Um, you can also just you know measure the size of the book that you want it to be, and then just add an extra quarter inch to the outside just to make sure that you have like some uh, plenty of, of bleed area. But I usually you know here's my template that I set up, and you can see after I set my margins, there's crop marks there indicating. I'll try to draw on the screen. There's crop marks here indicating where the final trim size is going to be, which means that this is going to be the final trim size, which means that this is bleed area and this is external and this is like going to be cut area. So like no important art should go in this area. Uh, Kind of important art, but certainly no word balloons go in that area. And anything that you want to actually exist on the page should be in this area. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It's sort of, yeah, three zones. Uh, because uh, from a pr- practical standpoint, as precise as the whole printing process is, there's still just, I don't know, physics and stuff moves or whatever, and books get cut. You know, One batch of books can have a slightly different cut than another, and you want to make sure that it's not, you know, it, there's some forgiveness, right? In your, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what, what you're planning for. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to delete all these layers. And so this is what I would arrive at with after establishing those those uh, margins. So now what I'm going to do is down in the bottom. And remember, 
this is key to working with this software is if you don't know where it is, you have to dig through some nested uh, nested menus. So I'm going to look for making a panel border. So I'm going to start with that. And that is usually nested in the same area as um, it's like the, the one of the bottom three tools. And when I click on that little ruler icon, the little triangle, I'll look inside into the submenu uh, menu to the, to the second from the left. And sure enough, right there at the top middle, at least in my instance of this application, is the frame tools. They call them frames in this. I call them panels, but they're whatever. The, the, the boxes in which all the art exists. And there's a rectangle frame. There's circle frame. There's frame border pen, so you can draw your own panel borders. And the neat thing about panel borders in this, the, the real pain point that uh, Clip Studio Paint solved is that when I draw a panel with the, the frame tool, it automatically creates a folder where the live area, it, anything that exists outside of the panel is automatically masked out. So if I create a layer inside of this folder, let me drag it in there just to make sure it's in there, and I start drawing inside of it and I draw outside of it, it automatically masks out any art that goes outside of the panel border. And I can prove this by bringing the layer up above the, the panel folder. And you can see that I drew all over the place. But if I drag it back into that panel folder, folder, that automatically gets hidden. So this makes it so that you don't have to like slow down as you approach the panel border art, you know, which is nice. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and trash that again because I want to actually draw. What I'm going to do now is... Um, and you can set in your tool property uh, menu underneath the subtool menu, you can see that you can change the, the kind of brush line. You can actually say like, oh, I want to have like a spray panel border. So now it's going to have more of a jagged line. I don't know if you can, how well you can see that. Or, mm -hmm. yeah. or you can say, well, I want this one to have, uh, you know, a weird pattern uh, border. Hmm. Right, so you can change that. You can change the actual panel line. You can change the thickness of the line. You know, you make it thicker and thicker, um, thinner. Is there a particular brush associated with the border of a panel? So then you could change. You could have your own pa custom panel yep. border. That. Thank you for that question. So, like, actually, at the bottom of a lot of the menus, there is a little wrench icon. And if you click that wrench icon, you'll often find more options. So I can now go to brush shape. And I can go to brush tip and you can actually load up different. Um, I can go to my materials folder and load up different brushes that are in my materials folder, which is sort of like a bank of assets that you can use in various ways in your comic uh, making. And now I can set, you know, uh, a direction of rotation, a thickness, and this will change the quality of the panel border. See how it looks a little bit different now because it's using a different kind of brush. So you have a lot of options with this. Yeah, what do you say? Can I just react for a second? Oh, my mm -hmm. God. What the heck? I mean, this is such a uh, such a tool meant to help people with making comics be productive. And it's so flexible. And be productive and to the level of depth and expertise you care to dive. And yeah. that's amazing. Like, so you can do all this stuff in like general purpose tools. Of course you can make comics with just pen, you know, pen and paper, but like this is, um, th this is giving you that level of editability and in the context of comics that, that it, I mean, it's stunning. So like you could go back through in a, in a future edit and say like, I do want to change that panel border. 
Literally, you can. Right? Yeah, it's 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 trivial to do it. If I take my operation tool, so this is the little cube tool with an arrow pointing at it. You use this tool a lot in Clip Studio Paint, and I can select just that panel border, and now I can go in and change the brush tip. I could change the amount of spraying effect, the stroke, the texture. So let's just say I just want to simply just make the border thicker. I could just like tap this a number of times, and now this border is thicker, right? And then because it's a vector uh, border, I can even, you know, change the. Well, with this tool, I can change its shape altogether, and the art inside doesn't get affected. As a matter of fact, if I click out of it now. Going to another layer. Oh, my color layers are not held within that panel border, so uh, so it, okay. it didn't hide that. But um, but you see what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. you can you can keep on tweaking it forever and ever, which is you know blessing and curse depends on your your disposition as an artist. Like I just find that I have to walk away from pages, and I set myself time limits on my stuff. But so the mm. next thing I'll do is in my live area, I'll just go ahead and drag a one big panel border for the whole page. And I don't know if you saw, but it snapped to the margins that I created. And now inside this panel folder, I'm going to create a series of subfolders to create my menus or not to create my, to create my template, I should say. So while selected, while in this layer uh, folder, I'm going to create three more folders and there's going to be, there we go. And I'm going to name the topmost one inks. I'm going to name the second one pencils. And the bottom one is going to be colors. And inside of the inks folder, I'm going to create two raster. Oh, no. I'm going to create a vector layer and a raster layer. And we'll talk more about those shortly. Uh, the vector layer and the raster layer on the bottom left side of the layer folder. The vector layer is indicated by uh, a page icon with a little 3D cube next to it. Raster layer is indicated by a little page with the corner folded up. So I will call um, the vector layer inks, and then I call the next uh, the raster version. I call this soft inks. Um, that's just a, a particular naming convention that I came up with for myself. What it means is just raster inks. You could also call it raster inks. I'll, I'll just do that for the purposes of this demo. Raster inks. Then in the pencils layer, I'll create a layer called roughs, and I'll create another layer called finished pencils which is indicating that I'm going to pencil the page at least twice. Then the colors layer, I will create a layer for now called flats. And then I would save this file as a template file. This is how the template is set up. So now I'm ready to start working. But I have, when I open up my Amazon Academy folder, my inks, you'll see there's all the pages numbered. And then at the bottom is page template, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, oh, I never have to set this up again. This is always set up for me forever and ever, right? So now with my page set up, um, let's see. I don't want to get ahead of myself. How are we doing on time? Um, let's see. I think we're doing pretty well on time. There's okay. a okay. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got through your template. Um, well, let's let's import let's import some thumbnails and then we can start playing with cutting the panel borders and look at some options for that. So um, so let's pretend I just opened this for the first time. I'm getting ready to start working on a new page. So now I'm going to go to the menu file import image i click that and then i navigate to where all my thumbnails are held let's just grab a page of thumbnails and drop it in now oops why is my why is this not blue well here's another neat 
feature of Clip Studio Paint. I'm going to go to my pencils folder. I'm going to change its layer mode to normal. I don't know why it sets it to through as the default, but it's switches to normal. And then up in the layer property menu on the upper right, there's this little icon I can toggle to change the layer color to blue. And it will, all layers inside of this folder will now be non-photo blue, um, which I would have done on the template mode in the first place. But it, I'm glad this happened this way because it shows you the difference. So now with the operator tool, after I've imported my image, I can now adjust the image size so that it conforms to roughly the size of the live area. And actually, let's drag the pencil layer outside of the panel folder so we can see where the bleed area is going to be. Okay. And so I'll drag this layer to the bottom of my pencils folder, and I will name it Thumbnails. So now I've got my thumbnails imported. I've got the beginning of my pencil. So now I'm going to go back up to the panel border folder and I'm going to go back down to the panel tools in the bottom left of the toolbar. And you can see there's rectangle frame, polyline frame, circle frame, frame border pen. Then there's these other ones, this divide frame folder and divide frame border. And oh, this one's a custom one that I made for myself. So these will be the two that you normally have, divide frame folder and divide frame border. Now, these both do the same thing, but they operate in slightly different ways. What this is going to do is, I'm going to choose divide frame border first. If I click and drag across the screen, you can see that it's making, it automatically makes a cut in the panel uh, mask, it creates a gutter there for you. And it's just, it's just you can, um, I'll click and drag diagonally. So you can, I don't know how well you can see, but you, there's, it's creating two ghost lines showing you like the cut it's going to make. And then when you just let go, it makes the cut. The difference is if you choose divide frame folder, it does the same thing, but watch my layer palette when I let go. It creates a second collection of layers in a folder to correspond with the new mask. And you can see it, it automatically duplicates the inks layers, the colors layers that are held within. Oh, wow. Which is nice, but that means that you're going to have a lot more layers to navigate. So for Amazon Academy, what I've been doing is just choosing divide frame fold or border, which leaves you with one folder, but it cuts the mask alone. And then in the bottom of this page, we see we've got a situation where we've got four even panels. And I could like try to eyeball it as best I can. Um, but there's a much easier way to do it. If I go to my operator tool and click just on that bottom panel this bottom area where the four panels are going to be and go to um, layer from the menu layer uh, ruler frame divide frame border equally I click that it, and it gives me the option to divide the, the, uh, the frame or panel vertically and horizontally by a number of steps I can go right as many as six eight ten even steps or I just divide it two by two, hit okay, and boom, it automatically cuts these into four equal squares. So That's so awesome. I'm almost I'm almost there. Um so now we got this problem where the panel one is supposed to be a f- full bleed. Quick thing to add. Yeah. Um yeah. So uh Shadow Wingtronics in the chat mm-hmm. mentions uh as far as importing the pencils. So you, you can also set the pencils as draft, the little uh blue pencil mm-hmm. yep. in the yeah in the layers yeah and yep. uh, then it won't show up in the final image file 
Yeah, and then I don't have to like turn that layer off when I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another neat th thing that's in the layer menu right there. So, um, but I've just made it part of my workflow is just when I'm done and I've done my colors, you know, just turn that mm -hmm. layer, toggle those off with the eyeball tool. But yes, the draft layer thing is another neat function. There's a lot of cool functionality buried in the layer menu as well, which we'll talk a little bit about. But okay. to finish off uh, setting up my panel borders, um, again, with the operator tool, you'll notice that panel one, I originally designed to be a full bleed, bleed off the page panel. Well, there's these little green anchors on each side. I can just grab them and drag them to change the panel size. And now I've got a full bleed panel in panel one. Now, there's another thing to check. Always keep your eye on the, um, the tool property uh, menu and the bottom the bottom of the second menu from the left, uh, it's mm -hmm. easier to just point in the screen. You can say, um, oh, where is this option? Keep gutters aligned. Um, this, this used to be called something else. I think it used to be called work with other panel borders. But if I toggle this to horizontal and adjacent, now if I change like, this, this, uh, the bottom of panel two, I move... The panel border, I think I did it wrong. Oh, okay, I had to set it to that. Set to, so if I have it set to none, keep gutters aligned none, I can change this panel border as much as I want and it won't affect anything else on the page. But supposing I realize that, oh, these four panels on the bottom, I want them to be taller and I want to cut into the space of panel two, I toggle this, keep gutters aligned, horizontal and adjacent, tap that, and now when I move this panel border up, it automatically stretches the ones underneath. My right. gosh. So, and I can move this one. Might I not do that time? All. I need to hit all. There we go. With the ding-dong applesauce. Okay, that works. But yes, yeah, so you can you can set it so that it changes all of the panel borders at once. Or you can say, just treat each one as its own entity, and that's by selecting keep gutters aligned, none. So... Hmm. That's impressive. So, I mean, then the, the panels are, are, are resizing consistent, consistently relative to each other with that mm -hmm. setting. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still like, holy moly, all these, these are very useful settings. And once you know they're there, you're, you're golden, right? I mean, mm -hmm. overall, because you need to recall the, uh, there's a lot of tools and a lot of nuances among these many tools. Uh, this is some pretty this is very handy and i'm just hoping that like next time i'm doing i'm laying out a, a comic page i remember that all these features exist yeah yeah this is something that I, I i kept running into the problem of like for instance when i divided those bottom four panels uh i had i could not remember how to get there and the only way i found out about it was because a student asked me about it and like can you do this i'm like there's got to be a way to do it and so i like dug into tutorials and like not everything is like named or placed in the most um, intuitive place in the world, at least to my mind, is that in order to divide panel borders equally, I have to go to layer, ruler frame, and then you know divide frame border equally. Right now, you you can actually this little Q icon, the upper left of the toolbar, you can set. This is like sort of like a launcher tool for creating um, quick commands, automated tasks and commands. So like I've got things where it's like, okay, well, you know, I could turn on quick mask, turn off quick mask, uh, undo, change canvas size, um, like things that I use a lot. You can like 
set into this menu with um, create set, manage set, um, quick access set. Oh, this is called quick access. That's what it's called. This is something that they've rolled out in recent versions of Clip Studio Paint. And I wind up using this quite a bit now. Um, so if it's something that is like, I don't know if I'm going to remember how to get there, you can set that as a quick access command. Um, and you can even set it in the command bar on the top of the screen too, if this is something that you're really concerned about like finding ever again but this this muscle memory will come from just like you know repeated use right Mm -hmm. um so finally and we talked about this in the episode about sound design but the next step that i would do is i would start doing the lettering before i do any penciling i figure out what all my balloon placement is going to be and that's in the text tool second from the bottom in most instances of clip studio paint um but in there you have like your text tool your ellipses balloon pen to draw custom balloons balloon tail and thought balloon tool and so i and i won't go into this in too much detail because we did talk about this like about five or six episodes ago when we did the sound design episode but i would go in and making sure that nothing goes outside of this live area i would place my dialogue here i'm saying stuff and then after the text is typed grab the curve balloon i click drag four points to roughly make a balloon use the operator tool to fine-tune the balloon and finally go back to the balloon tail tool choose the spline balloon tail which means i tap once tap tap to follow the curve to point to the character's mouth and then i can adjust the size of the tail after the fact and rotate it so i would do all this first reason being Oh, and I would put the lettering in a folder called lettering. And the reason I do this is because I want to make sure that um, I figured out my balloon placement before I figured out uh, the final composition of the page. Like supposing that this character here needs to move over this far in order to accommodate some word balloons that are happening over here. Well, before I even pencil her, I figured out what space I need for word balloons so then I can make the penciling adjustments in relation to the word balloon placement. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you have these different constraints of like, what do you want to convey? And uh, I mean, if you don't plan ahead, you end up with, with uh, well, honestly, like, like I end up with a lot of comics with some crammed word balloon uh, placement and uh, that just, that just don't work in harmony with the greater composition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, that that really bums me out when that happens with my comics. So it's 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 painful enough that I've I've adjusted the way I do it so that yeah the word balloons happen very early on and then the penciling ink and coloring happens and maybe the word balloons will move after the facts like it's again it's, one of the neat things about the software is it's trivial to move things around once you've designed them and built them right. Um, with the mm-hmm. operator tool, it's simple to move them around. But I try to get a sense of like, well, what is the actual real estate I need on the page for all of the sound elements? Um, I just want to comment, like, so I'm, I'm, I've reacted to a, a lot of your your advanced use of the tools that um, I do think that we're not getting paid by this company at all. But uh, I would say that when you're working on a comic, the basic tasks and the basic tools that create affordances for you to... Um, uh, be productive um, are fantastic. Like, so like just w- the ability to move a word balloon around to reshape it and adjust, adjust it. it that's not that advanced. I mean, it's just, um, what's that tool called? The operate, what'd you call it? Oh, the, the operator tool. Oper- operator oh. tool. Yeah. Operator yeah. tool plus using the other basic tools. 
there's huge um, amounts of like boost in your productivity just that with that alone and adjusting and recovering from, well, you know, like, oh, there's a little bit of a cramped layout or these two word balloons need to actually connect now or whatever. Yep. It's, you don't have to know and mind the depths of all the nooks and crannies of the app to be able to do the basics. Correct. Yeah. Very, very correct. I mean, with a little bit of digging after you've, you know, gotten the muscle memory of the initial tools, there's a lot of cool things you can do. Like for instance, you know, just like with the the panel borders, there are vector tools that I can say like, oh, you know, Dan said that he wants this to be like a, a bumpy balloon instead. I don't have to redraw it. I just literally just drew that over top of the balloon with the redraw vector line tool. And I can make it like a drippy balloon. Redraw vector line width. I can go, okay, well, I want this side to be smoother or this side to be thicker and this side to be thinner. Just drawing over top of it. And that's in the very bottom most tool in the toolbar. There's a bunch of vector tools. There's the pinch vector line. So I can just like adjust the balloon just by tugging on it here and there. Right. Um, Yeah. And, And the same thing can be done with the panel borders. I can go to redraw vector line, go to the panel border. And let's say I want to just go... Just drag over top, and I've created like a jagged moment in the story, right? Um, but yes, yeah, you don't need to know how to do all this stuff right away. We're just like saying like these are the, the basic affordances, like the balloon tool, uh, chopping panel borders, importing your thumbnails. So um, now that we're this far, do you want to take a break, Rob, and maybe do talk a little bit about some people who make the show possible, and then we'll come back and we'll do some drawing in Clip Studio Paint. I think this is the perfect time to take a break. Okay. So is my video back? Hey, there I am. Okay. (laughs) So in about a minute and 30 seconds, we are going to uh, actually do some, some drawing and see what that's like and how I do my penciling and inking and what the difference between vector and raster layers are. But before we do that, we have to thank some people who make this show possible. Those people, oh, where's my music? Where is my music file? There it is. Got to thank the people who support us on Patreon. Yes. Whoop, that's the intro music. <laughs> Let's get fired up again. There we go. Okay, patreon.com slash Lena Tart is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in Rob and believe in me and believe in what we do, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. I want to thank some people who have been doing exactly that. First up, Stephen Stonebush. Thank you, Stephen, for supporting us on Patreon. You can find Stephen's work at S Stone Bush Art on Instagram. Also, Cameron Callahan. Thank you, Cameron, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cam Callahan. Also, Tim F., thank you, Tim, for your support. Really, really appreciate it. Also, Gail Bushman. You can find Gail Bushman on Instagram at NightingaleArt. Thank you, Gail. And also, Courtney Hahn. Thank you, Courtney, for believing in us and what we we do. You can find Courtney on Twitter at uh, Cortuni. And we will link to all these in the show notes. You can join them all at patreon.com slash leanintoart, where you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we make just for people who support us on Patreon. We do one every month, and those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want. And also those episodes are kind of like uh, Rob in it's, it's like the Robin Jersey dojo where we take sort of ideas out of the air and try to turn them into a topic. And we almost do every month. Don't we Rob? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And either way it's uh, it's, it's just, it's fun to try the 
I guess the other version of this where we just want it to, as we admit, like we end up digging into topics, even, even in extra lean, but you just don't know what's going to happen. It's just, you, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of unplanned goodness and uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and patreon.com slash lean into art. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot. Okay. Here comes the second, the second half of the show. There we are. Classic. Classic bridge music from the old days. So, time for me to fire up the screen share again. And let me see. Screen share, full screen share, and present to everyone. Now we are in it. Okay. All right. So, what are we doing next? Um, drawing. Isn't that what we had in, on the docket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, drawing. Okay. And, uh, not sure where you wanted to start, but. I think it's a, it's, this is perfect. You, you've laid out the panel, you've laid out a page, you've got some panels and all the magical goodness of how Clip Studio Paint sets that up as separate layers and they're pre-masked and it's awesome. But mm-hmm. now what about, you know? Well, let's talk about brushes just for a second. Cause we were talking about how like everything is very customizable in this and, um, you know, you're not limited to what you get out of the box. And one of the things that um, is pretty nice about Clip Studio Paint is how easy it is to make custom brushes. So um, let's go up to, I'm just going to go to, here's, this is the collection of pens that comes with the software. It's your G pen, mapping pen, turnip pen, calligraphy, four effect line, and so on. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to right click on, um, or I guess it'd be a control click on the Mac or option click. I'm not sure, but it'd be like an extra key click. And you can, you get this menu that pops up and you would get the option that we want is duplicate sub tool. Sub tool is just their term for the tool that you're using. Um, The the tool is brush. The sub tool is G pen in this case. I'm going to duplicate my G pen and I'm just going to cut, let's call it uh, custom pen one. It gives you the option to like, you know, give it your own special name and then i'm going to go up to uh or rather down here in the the menu below the tool property menu there's that little wrench icon and i click that wrench icon and now i can start playing with what this pen is going to do we can change the size we can change the opacity of the ink we can change the blending mode of the ink in other words we can make it multiply color burn linear burn black burn subtract light and screen just like you do with layer modes um you can change the way it interacts with other colors. So, like, you know, people talk about the painting engine in uh, Clip Studio Paint is, is really remarkable, and it is. Like, we can say that, like, hey, I want this thing to act more like oil paints so that when I scrub on another color with it, it will mix with that color, right? Um, and then we can change the brush tip. So once again, I'm going to click on brush tip, and I'm going to go to the material folder and say that I want I want to use a special material for this brush. And... I'm going to hit the little add brush tip shape icon, which is a little page icon there. And it opens up my um, materials folder. And we have all these options in here, right? And these are ones that just come with Clip Studio Paint, but you can make your own very simply. Um, let's say I'm going to grab this particular brush shape here and drop it in. And you can add multiple ones. I'm going to say I'm going to add that one too. And it's giving you a preview at the top. Can you see it, Rob? The little preview at the top? Yeah. Wow. So, and I can change, you know, the thickness of the brush. It's going to change the way the brush uh, looks. I can change the direction 
in which the the custom brush tips are apl- uh, applied, and, and that's can- per each custom material, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the first material selected. You're making adjustments to that one, and you could then make separate adjustments to the second material you material you added, uh, and you added a third. And I you can add you can add as many as you want, as far as I know. Um, so. Yeah, so now I'm I'm changing the the thickness of that particular piece of um I think I'm doing that. Let me see. Okay. Now it's just changing the mm-hmm. thickness of the brush. So, and then spraying effect, I can turn on a spraying effect to like change it'll like create like a particle uh randomness to the brush. Um or I can change the stroke that you can add a texture. What? So you can add the custom textures to the brushes. And so like in what you can play around with this. Um, I'm just going to close this out for now. And I'm just going to open up some Ray Frendon's brushes because this is how he makes these like my favorite brushes. Like uh, it's actually his dry brush inker alt two, um, which gives you like this really nice dry brush inker effect. But I made a slightly denser version that I call wet brush anchor. And it's got, when you open it up and you hit that little wrench icon, you can see the custom materials that he used. You can see the texture he used. So like there's like a watercolor paper texture on this brush. So you can add and you can create like some really, truly astonishingly like natural media looking brushes. And probably the ones that I'm most impressed with lately, and I posted this on Instagram, is his watercolor brushes. Um, I bought those a while back. I'm going to go ahead and pull up a page of this comic that I'm working on for seriously right now. And I'm doing all the tones with his watercolor brushes. Mm. And when you look at them, they look like they're drawn on natural media, right? Like you see the texture in the, in the sky there. Um, and I'll go yeah, to the water. So much, uh, so like a volumetric feeling in the value differences, and it looks cloudish and wet. And see how, like, uh, when you're painting with it, what it looks like. Wow. So you can get some pretty, with a little bit of playing, you can get some really cool looking brushes. Let's look at his brush tip. So he's got, there's, you can see the materials used for the brush tip. You can see he doesn't have a spraying effect on this, but you can look at his text, what texture he used to create that effect. And so you can sort of reverse engineer your own brushes too, or you can just duplicate a brush that you got from somebody else and make adjustments for yourself. So, but yeah, his, his watercolor brushes are pretty great. But, um, so, so that's all to say that this is why I have such a massive collection of brushes that both, both purchased and, um, made custom for myself. Um, so anyway, so, Going to the pencils folder in my roughs layer, uh, what I'll do now is I'll go to my thumbnails and I'll turn the opacity down to approximately 30%. And then I will go to the layer above on my roughs layer. And then for my rough penciling, I'll often just use my wet brush ink or alt brush because I really love the way it feels. And this is where I would say, like, be prepared to spend a couple weeks playing around with different brushes until you find the one that feels right for you. Um, it's worth It's worth that investment. To, and I played around with a lot of different brushes before I got to this one. Um, and now on my roughs uh, layer, this is where I work out my anatomy. I'm going to build off of my thumbnails and correct the pose and just very roughly lay in and figure out what the anatomy of the character is going to be. So you're not very rough. 
drawing through like you're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, so you, now you're you're doing a um, an underdrawing structure for mm-hmm. this, yeah, for th- this one character in that panel. Um, and I'll go through and I'll try to do like a little bit of the rough detail over top of them too, right? I'm not mm-hmm. just doing the the stick and bubble figure, the wireframe. I'm doing actually like a very loose, and I'm trying not to spend a ton of time on it. Um, but I'm trying to get like a slightly more cleaned up version of what I had. <laughs> Which is an understatement. This, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big leap from your, your underdrawing. And, uh, and what's interesting is you're including details of this character, like their, uh, um, accessories and a little, mm-hmm. you know, a hint at their hairstyle and outfit. Yeah. I'm working out the clothes. And I mean, again, this is another one of those advantages to um, digital pencils is that like once I get like, oh, her feet are actually below the border, I can either change the panel border or just quickly select her with the lasso tool and move her. And, you know, we've all seen this in digital drawings. Like, let's say I want the hand to be a little lower, just select that arm. Um, Oh, and when you do selections, you get this little menu underneath which gives you the option to deselect, invert the selected area, expand selected area, or even right here, scale up, scale down, and rotate. I'm going to click that. I'm going to move the center arrow of my rotate tool to her shoulder, and then just click and drag to move it around. Great. Deselect, and can keep working. So I'll do the whole page this loose, right? And I can even pull up to show you in my finished page, I'll hide the inks, I'll hide the colors, and I'll turn the pencils on and turn the opacity up all the way. And let's see, let's go back to my roughs. Yeah, this is what the roughs look like. That's what the final result is. But you can see, like, it's still pretty sketchy. You can see where I've drawn through things. It looks great. You ever consider doing a comic that was at this stage? What do you mean? Like this is final? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then you watercolor right here. Oh, I don't know. Well, as a matter of fact, the um, seriously comic I'm doing, I have been out of necessity um, leaving the pencils at that stage. Right. So like there's, mm-hmm. there's the pencils look like comparatively rough to how I traditionally pencil my comics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a step, but then it's an interesting step in that how, how clearly everything is conveyed and, and uh, it's, yeah, there's a little bit of the underdrawing that remains here too, mm-hmm. but there's so much of the, uh, the, the specific um, form uh, in that, in that represented there too. So, but yeah, there's, there's uh, the finished pencils. So, mm-hmm. So on this, once I've got this part done, I would turn this layer's opacity down to about 30%, hide the thumbnails, and then on the pencil finishes, I'll go in, whoops, and do the final detailed drawing where I'm really tightening things up. All the underdrawing stuff goes away, and so on. So the the level of roughness of your pencils is, I think that's a very individual choice. Uh, I know Zach Giolongo works extremely loose. I've inked his pencils, and I remember having to like 
for my own comfort, having to like clean up some of the pencils to make it make sense to me because I couldn't decipher some of his lines. Um, but for myself, I, I tend to, if I'm working for myself, this is the tightness that I like. And to which Zach argued with me, he's like, well, then why even ink it if it's going to be that tight? I, uh, I, <clears throat> I would echo Zach at this point. So your loose pencils have uh, um, so much clarity that I was, I was being a little impish when I said, hey, have you considered you know, <laughs> making... And you, you, it was as if I was quacking at you, but like, um, <laughs> you're like, what are you saying? But like this, uh, but your tight pencils, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I it, it, think of it as, so I don't know, whatever, lobbing a, a total random food for thought, unrequested comment because the, <laughs> the, the tight pencils, I, I mean, that's, I don't know. Yeah. Throw some, throw some toning in there and you've got, uh. Probably. I mean, seriously, look at the detail on your on those on the pencils, the column and the um, the sort of um, the oh, ornate the design work in, in the um, roof of the building and all that. My mm-hmm. word, very interesting. Yeah, well, you know, there's I'm, a lot I, of animation that 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 makes do with less than that. That's true. Oh, also, yeah. So, like in the case of this building behind them, um, it, I did it on a separate layer because I just drew the window once and I drew the column once and I just like duplicated them because it was a flat face facing us readers. So, in this case, all I had to do was, you know, like if I hide this, you can see there's all the pieces that I just like copied and then erased where they overlapped with the, the characters. Mm. Um, so, okay. Um, I want to make sure that I respect everybody's time and let's talk about inking. I think that's next on here, right? Oh, there's also, I mean, basic tools. Um, how do you do like this perspective work, like in the background there? Um, let me turn back on my thumbnails. So in that case, you have, again, at the very bottom of your page, and this is actually nested in the same area as your panel borders, is you have ruler tools. And there's a, once I open this up, you can see there's a whole mess of different rulers in here. Um, and the one that I use for this particular case is the perspective ruler. What I would do is um, on my roughs layer, I would take the perspective ruler and I, you click and drag to create your first uh, vanishing point line. And click and drag to create your second. And then it's not going to let you draw anything that's not... Oh, let me turn the opacity back up in this layer. That doesn't conform to that vanishing point, that, that, that one-point perspective that he just created. And you can create multiple points of perspective. So let's go back to before I created the, the ruler. And let's create... Here's my first vanishing point. And here's my second vanishing point. And after you've created your ruler, you can actually change the horizon line. You can move it around with the operator tool. I can click and uh, right-click on it and choose uh, horizontal eye level so that like the horizon line is perfectly horizontal, but it doesn't have to be. And so now it will only let me draw lines that correspond perfectly to this two-point perspective. It won't let me draw anything outside of the of of what works in that perspective on a grid. So in that case, what I would do is I would go ahead and I would draw, you know, start roughing in my and you oh, and up here in the top of the uh, command bar is the options to turn the ruler snap on and off. So I'll turn it off to go do some freehand work like the 
you know, the, the, uh, oh, what is this called? Is this an ionic? Oh. Um, it's not, it's not a Doric pillar. I think it's an ionic. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? So I, I would, I, yeah, I don't recall. I remember, I remember those words. I don't, I remember the, they describe pillars. But. Yeah. 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 I forget what this one is exactly what this is called, but I would rough in that part, you know, freehand. And then when it comes to doing like the top of, I would turn the ruler back on by tapping that little snap to special ruler icon in the command bar at the top of the screen. And then mm-hmm. I can draw the other, you know, architectural parts of the building and and again, this is on my rough layer, so I'm not really worrying too much about getting the perspective perfectly right, but I'm just roughing in what I, what I think it should look like. Um, and so on. Do the stairs. Oh, come on. I'm really close to the horizon line now. Yeah. And I'll rough that in, and then I will go to the finished pencils layer, turn the opacity down on that, and let's make the rulers anew to do the final version and so on. Um, huh. I haven't checked it out, but uh, Shadow Wingtronics mentions in the chat that uh, Doug Hill did a good tutorial on uh, uh, rulers in Clip Studio yep. Paint recently. And that's... That's great. Doug yeah. Hill's tutorials we talked about last time are really, really useful. So, I mean, if you're interested yeah. in that, I mean, I would say we will link to his in the show notes um, so you can follow up on that. But that's another tool I use at the penciling stage a lot. So, uh, like, Anthony in the chat clarifies the pillar tops as ionic. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing to bring up in the chat, I think is interesting. That is, I think it's a, it's an underpinning related, but it's, uh, I'm just flagging this verbally in the, in, in just to bring it to your attention. Cause you are super focused on your, on, on the art and the demo, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And thank you for doing all this demo Jersey. You're helping a lot of, a lot of people with this. And, uh, but it, so Jonathan Rector mentioned in, uh, that he basically, I was, I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase, but maybe I'll do a bad job. Uh, he goes, have you guys ever been torn on a style to pursue or have you moved past that for productivity? Ah. And, uh, yeah, cause we're seeing you execute a, a particular style that I'm sure you figured out as part of an earlier development phase for this project, right? Sure. Um, with Amazon Academy, uh, well, no. I mean, I, I choose different styles depending on what the project requires. Um, so I would say very much so I'm thinking about this. Like, So, for instance, when you look at the finished art of Amazon Academy, um, it's it's more like my more polished uh, ink work from, you know, like my early days working on things like uh, the Front Rebirth, um, the Ninja High School stuff I did. Uh, sort of manga-influenced but, you know, uh, also influenced by people like, um, I want to say Ty Templeton, Kurt Swan, uh, Rick Leonardi. Um, so it's slightly cartoony, but slightly real, slightly more realistic. It's definitely not like what I do with Boulder and Fleet, right? It's, it's kind of a mm-hmm. slick, open line. I don't use a whole lot of blacks in my work, uh, except when I'm drawing, like, gothy girls. Um, but, like, I, I, I render my shadows with color or tone, right? Whereas with the Captain Seriously books, the ones I've been working on recently, I don't know how well this is registering, but I'm using a much more jagged inking style because, and I've talked about this in the live streams when I'm inking this stuff, is that I'm specifically going for a post-apocalypse kind of vibe. And that was why I chose like these gray tones, this watercolor tone, because I wanted everything to look very brittle and um, dusty. Like it's everything's caked in like, like, uh, like years and years of, 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 
decay and dust, like like what Mad Max's world looks like, right? Everything should look desiccated. Uh, and so I specifically chose like this this very jaggedy inking style, which well, I'll compare it one more time. Like if you look at like say like the lines in this girl's hair, right? Versus yeah. more rounding and fluid fluidity. And, and, and there's almost like a lot of your lines in particular, like you, you go for like the, the like a really long flowing stroke. Yeah. Um, I, typically. I, I, I like to try to define a shape with a, like a single contour if I can, like that's like a fun thing for me to play with. Like, can I do like the whole side of this woman's body with one stroke? Right. Like the render the, 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 the look of it with one ink line. Whereas with mm. this, I have an internal rule that I don't use curved lines. Like all the curves are made up of straight lines. Like if you look at that little puff of, of cold breath coming out of this kid's mouth, right? There's no curves in there, right? Yeah, it, very, yeah. So yeah, they're very different impression, different style. Yeah, look at his ear. Wow. Like that curve of his ear is made up of a bunch of straight lines that add up to the ear. Wow. So, um, and it's it, it was part of this calculated move to try to like create something that feels very brittle and dusty. Um, and, and also it was formed out of the deadline. It was like, if, if I'm not worried about trying to capture this perfect, like, you know, sometimes I'll break out a ruler tool just to do like the, the contour of a character's face. Cause I want to get it exactly right. You know, you can create custom rulers like that. Um, whereas with this, it's like, I have to get these pages done in under five hours each. So there's got to be a calculated uh, cost here of like, I've got to find a way to speed up the production while still have it look good and still have the look match what i need right like what the story requires and what my my um resources are as an artist in terms of time in terms of materials so but that said i mean like i'm always it's always a uh a tight battle because i wind up designing these pages that are like despite the fact that they are quick to ink you know they're they can have a lot of complexity to them that i didn't you know, it's like, well, I yeah, there's a ton of value and, and per, like, uh, atmospheric perspective in that for yeah, something that's just sort of, you know, theoretically, uh, like a simpler aesthetic, but that's wow. Yeah. yeah so like, I, even, despite the fact that I'm looking for shortcuts, I'm always also finding more interesting layouts to play with, uh, that make it more complicated to draw. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm at war with myself constantly with this project. Like, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it easy to do. Oh, but you know, it would look so much cooler if I did it this way. Um, but anyway, so yeah, and then, and then like with um, the, I recently did, yeah, I did a test that I posted on Patreon where I opened up some Baron Von Bear pages and I was trying out like the Ray Friend and watercolor brushes to see if I could make it look like traditional watercoloring uh, digitally. And you can see that the ink style that I use on this is utterly different than the other ones. So I change the tools depending on the project um, and what I think it requires. Amazon Academy is meant to be like a Greek mythology school. Um, and so I wanted it to look kind of like clean and classy and crisp. So, yeah. So I wonder like, so that, that is sort of a, uh, and Jonathan hinted at this in his, uh, when he commented, this could be like its own probably topic or own episode mm -hmm. as well. Like, like yeah. really digging into style. Um, and I'm, uh, cause yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about like other aspects that led you to, to those decisions and whatnot too. But then there's a couple more things to cover mm -hmm. in clip studio paint. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering 
you know, knowing that, do we want to like maybe use those as sort of final thought wrap up? Final thought. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and stop the screen sharing again. And how about we say in a couple minutes, we close with final thought about like talking about like the, the way layers behave in a funny way in Clip Studio Paint. And the once you wrap your head around it, it's like, oh, wow, Clip Studio Paint is so much more powerful in the way it handles layers than, say, Photoshop or Illustrator. Um, but before we do that, we got to thank some more people who make this show possible. And those people happen to be us. We make the show possible. We make lots of things, and then we bring all that the, the experiences and the questions that come through making things into topics for the Lean Into Art cast. And the thing that I make that I hope that you will check out today is a book called Boulder and Fleet Mining for Trouble, which I have a custom URL now. So you can go to boulderandfleet.com slash books, and that will get you to this hmm. book. Uh, easy nice. to remember. Boulderandfleet.com slash books. Um, and Mining for Trouble is a comic that I made entirely in Clip Studio Paint. Like Outside of the thumbnails, it was 100% digital. Um, and there's the cover that I did, painted entirely digitally in Clip Studio Paint, documented it on my Patreon. What is it about? It's about a bear and a bird who are best friends. Uh, and, you know, Fleet the bird wants to become the most famous adventurer of all time. Uh, but she has partnered with this bear who would rather make friends out of his enemies than conquer his enemies. And so Fleet's calculation is if we defeat enough enemies and and win enough treasure, we will be the most famous people or adventurers of all time. But she's constantly having to push her gentle bear friend into these these battles, and they learn from each other that he learns things, uh, that there's a time and place for force, and she learns that there's more to being a hero than beating up bad guys. And this particular story, they've... uh, are just picnicking on on a ridge and this mine down in the the gorge beneath gets attacked by these mineral people and they wind up getting roped into the battle with these mineral gals uh sapphire rube uh, agnes and roxanne who all have their own special ability as mineral people you can purchase it uh as a trade paperback or as a digital download at uh boulderfleet.com slash books rob you made a workshop yeah, I've got this workshop available called, um, well, so I, I mentioned, well, I'm a UX designer. I'm a UX facilitator and all this stuff. And there's there are some techniques. Uh, I mean, and, and I, even back like in November, if you remember Art Sound Off, I made a point where I wanted to share and advocate for how like user experience, or these techniques are really their ideas and, and things that anyone can use to make their projects more, uh, make make things better for the people you're trying to serve. And even... Uh, try to find a way to level up for who you're working with and you're all doing this together trying to keep keep your user in mind right so with that in mind i made this workshop that is at skillshare.com and it's called drawing user journey maps to design user experiences gather ideas and collaborate um well we're okay user journey map i mean you're familiar probably with storyboarding you have a sequence of things well if you use that to like put yourselves in the you put yourself in the in the feet in the, in the shoes of your user who's coming to your thing where were they before they found your your project or your product or your service uh what's it like when they first meet it what's it like then after that and after that and after that and now you have a, a you know this idea of of a user experience journey now what if you use that to like 
dive in from the different perspectives of, of the people you're collaborating with. Or if you're working solo, what if you just sort of make sure you're thinking it through thoroughly by wearing different hats, by putting on a business hat, by putting on a, uh, a like a builder or engineering hat, like where you think about like your constraints for feasibility and stuff. You combine all that, all of a sudden you have this picture of like, well, wow, there may be a part of the journey that could use a lot of work or that you have a lot of questions, but in some way you've now got this spotlight for what makes sense to work on next. That's what this class is all about. It's only 47 minutes and, uh, and it's like nine different little small modules. It's, you know, you go at it bite-sized a few minutes at a time and, uh, to bring you through creating a project, to get some hands-on experience where you, you'll learn the mechanics of the user journey map, but also a bit of, um, the sort of, um, mindset and philosophy for for being that user-centered and collaborative so if you're curious about that you want to um you know check it out the easiest way i can think of to do that is go to robstenziger.com there's a link right there in a um sort of a, a, a tile uh, on the front page that says drawing user journey maps to design click on that and it'll take you to a landing page on skillshare where you can just well take the class if you're already signed up you know, you may as well because you're paying for Skillshare, right? Uh, and it's kind of like Netflix that way. Just check it out. Um, but if you're not signed up for Skillshare yet, that's a way to get, uh, you can sign up and then get two free months. So um, easy peasy. Which is more than enough time to download and avail yourself of the class. And I, I, if I could underline something, it's like one could argue that like, well, but I'm like just an independent cartoonist. I don't really have to think about teams. You have to think about, Who's going to engage with your stuff? How they're going to engage with your stuff? Because you have readers. You're going to bring in printers into the world if you're going to be printing and distributing the book. You're going to start thinking about like when you go to conventions or trade shows or conferences, who are you going to meet there and what are their needs and how how will the, their experience with the thing that you make matter? Like How can you make it a meaningful experience? So I would argue that even if you think that you're a team of one, the moment you start engaging with the world, you're engaging with a lot of different people with a lot of different kind of needs and, and putting yourself into their, their shoes and into their mindset and, and, and thinking about the, what their experience with your work is going to be um, kind of matters if you, want this, if you want to take this thing seriously, right? Ah, that's, that's awesome. Thanks, Jersey. Yeah, I agree. And, and cause you, you do, you have essentially like one way to, to call that out is there are stakeholders, there's involvement, there's other perspectives that affect what you make, even if it's, it's mainly a, you're a team of one. Yeah. Uh, there, there, that's great. You can dig in deeper. Thanks, Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as somebody who's currently pitching books, I'm thinking about this a lot as I write my pitches and think about how I can craft my pitches to appeal to the different publishing houses that I'm approaching. Right. That, that, that mm. is some of that sort of mindset and that perspective taking that I have to do. All right. So, but it, maybe you're not so interested in the books that we make or the games that we make. Fair enough. The show is the thing that we make. and We have more things like it at leanintoart.com slash workshops. We can download self-contained videos at a price of your choosing, even free. If you're watching this on YouTube, giving it a thumbs up helps more people find the show. And if you're listening to the show in an audio podcatcher, uh, giving us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to us helps more people find the show as well. And we thank everybody who's been doing exactly those things. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. It really does. Thank you. All right, let me turn on screen sharing one more time um, so that I may um, go into layering. And there we go. Okay, layers. How do layers work? 
you don't have to use all the different kinds of layers that you can make in Clip Studio Paint, but they do have some affordances that are really nice. So let me real quick go to this Amazon Academy page and hide some of the layers underneath and just go to my ink layers. Now, in this particular uh, comic, I have what looks like at least six layers that I use, like a basic six layers that I use in my inking. Okay, and I've highlighted them here. We have background, background holds, background soft inks, characters, character holds, and character soft inks. In other words, my characters are all on one layer grouping, and the backgrounds are drawn on a different layer grouping. You can see that because I've removed the characters. I'll remove the lettering too just so we can see the backgrounds here. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then... This this is kind of fussy. This is a little bit fussy, and it's it's partially to make it easy for me to do what are called background holds, now, uh, or rather line holds. Color holds, I think, is actually the proper term. Color holds is when you change the color of a line beyond black. So if I turn off my holds layer on my background, why is that not working? Oh, I, I know why, because those tree, those tree branches are drawn on the soft inks layer. Okay. Um, so in Clip Studio Paint, you have two different kinds of drawing layers. You have vector and raster layers. And a vector layer means that it is a layer composed of, instead of uh, pixels rendering the, I mean, pixels are rendering the ink color on here, but the layer information is not in pixels. It is in mathematics. It is in, um, it's, there we go. Can you describe it yeah. for lines and curves? Yeah. So you have points. You have yeah. points, and then and between between each of these points, it is a is a line, and then that may also be influenced by like curve information too. Right. So thank you. Uh, yeah. So think of it as a connect the dots, and that that is what is defining the line. And the, so the the brush following that line, based on rules configured for the brush and your preferences. Uh, create that final impression of like, oh, those are pixels on the page, but behind the scenes, it's this editable, editable vector. So when I'm inking, I actually ink just the contours of the shapes of the characters. You can see that I made the interior details go away on this gal's coat. And so the actual interior details are on a completely separate layer. Reason being... why. Yeah, I have a specific reason I do it. And I, again, I taught this as a course with adults, and they some of them got very visibly annoyed at how fussy this is. So, like, this is this is this is the comics drawing version of the AeroPress coffee. <laughs> it just tastes better, you know. Like, it's like that. It's like, yeah, I know it takes fifteen minutes. And there's a lot of paraphernalia, and we're all standing here waiting for the coffee to happen, and it tastes only fifteen percent better, but it tastes better. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the reason being is that because the vector layer is just math, I could take the vector tools like the pinch vector line tool and I can change the shape of the lines and the position of lines after I've drawn them and it does not damage the quality of the line. It retains the brushes, uh, brush information. I can even go so far as to redraw the width after I've drawn the line. Let's say I got the line exactly right, but I just the value is off, right? I can yeah. go ahead and redraw the width of the line. I could redraw the vector line, retain the brush information. So my drawing is, I can always fix it if I really want to. 
But the reason I put the uh, interior details information on a raster layer is because when it gets time to flat, so now I'm going to create just like a regular raster layer. I'm going to call this one flats. And I'm going to go up to my inks folder where all the inks are contained. And I'm going to highlight the set reference layer icon, which is this little lighthouse. So now what I've done is I've said everything that's on the inks layer, uh, when I work with my flats layer with my paint bucket tool, and of course, we didn't go into a lot of detail on this, but just like with all the other tools, there's a lot of paint bucket settings nested within the paint bucket tool. You can choose the one that says refer other layers, and I can tell it down here in the tool property menu, only interact with or interact with the layer you're on plus the reference layer. So now when I choose a color and I take the paint bucket tool, notice I'm on my flats layer, I can click inside of her coat and it will feel as if those lines are on the flats layer, right? It's like when you use all layers on in MetaBank Paint or with the Paint Bucket Tool in Photoshop. It's interacting with all layers. But because my interior lines are on a separate layer, I can toggle them off and just fill the contours very quickly and easily and not have to worry about how it's going to interact with those interior lines. Because if I were to, say, try to fill... Let's just choose like a coat color. You see, now all of a sudden I have to like tap around her coat and like fill all those little. God, I, uh, you see? So I get it. I get it. I might. So I don't, I'm not into the AeroPress, but I might be into this AeroPress. So know? yeah. So this like. This is interesting. So now I don't have to deal with these ghosted lines because I only have the interior or the, the, the outer contour and I can flat a page in literally 10 minutes tops. Somebody might argue that, like, well, it's not that big a deal that you get those ghosted lines and you have to do a lot of tapping around. And it's not. It's not that big a deal because also I can hide my ink layer real quick. There's a tool in the vector tools down here at the very bottom called correct line width. And I'm going to say thicken width by three points. And if I just drag over top, whoop, 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 fill in those spots really easily. Mm. Right? So if you get, like, those little ghost pixels in there, it's not the end of the world. It's easy to clean that up. Right. It's tough. It depends on how hard it is, how, how unnatural it feels mm-hmm. to, uh, to do the, the contour inking separate from the internal detail. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you I mean, it's, it's, it's a little, like I said, it's a little bit fussier. There's a little bit more setup and it's kind of weird to draw the interior details on one layer and the outer contours on another layer, but it makes, it makes flatting so much easier. It speeds it up so much, at least for me. Um, so, you know, but it, make, it makes you have to deal with increased file sizes. Now, not every project has that because like this particular one, I ink all of the inks on a raster layer. All the inks are just, oh, I'm, that kid overlaps stuff. So I put him on a separate layer. But like if I hide the inks, right, that's it. Hmm. And I specifically chose watercolor for the tones, both to create that, that feeling of desolation and dustiness, but also because it would prevent me from being too precious about setup on this thing. So I can just like speed through the drawings and get them done to a serviceable level and get the shading done to a serviceable level. Um, but I'm not like you can see right here, like when you look really at what I've got there, it's kind of kind of sloppy. But when it's combined with the line art, it looks finished, right? Yeah, it well, I suppose what yeah you can you can create new observations and judgments if you separate an, a piece of art out at its at different stage of development, mm-hmm. and, and and then zoom in on particular details, um, because 
Right. This, this, yeah. To, to get rid of the lines gets rid of, you know, a bunch of the project. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. The goal wasn't to make a painting, but right, like what you right. started, I mean, that's, you know, there you go. You have a value layer to base a painting if that was your plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. Whereas like with Amazon Academy, um, I'm going with more, um, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, crisp. Yeah. Crisp coloring, you know, uh, simple highlight shadow, but, but yeah. So, um, but that, that's the I, way I use um, the level of detail in like a well-produced uh, animation, like a yeah. gargoyle thing. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing with my backgrounds. So the background layer, if we look at like this, this building here, I have a layer that I put the interior details on and I have a layer that I put the outer contours on. You can see that there, right? So like there's the, if I hide the lettering, you can see the tree branches for the tree. And then on the separate layer with my uh, pattern brush, I painted on the, the foliage. It's very interesting that you do this. Um, I'm just having a quiet debate in my head. Uh, you know, it'd be so disruptive to, it's, to, to draw in a different style, but I see some potential interesting benefit. Do you get more reuse out of your, um, like the art you produce to like filling? Well, uh, yeah. So like this, this particular column that I drew in the background here actually gets used on like three or four different pages. <laughs> So I, I am, and, and as a matter of fact, like I think some of these columns got used, I like flipped them and then I like, you know, transformed them a little bit. That's another nice thing about vector layers is that um, when you transform them, it doesn't damage the uh, line quality. So I, I took uh, this particular column right here, which I'll, you know, highlighted in pink and I reproduced it on another page. And then when I, when I shrunk it down, I didn't have to redraw any lines. I did redraw some of the interior details a little bit, but the outer contour was intact. So there's, that's mm. another advantage to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's, that's in the, that's in the pro in, in the pros and cons that I was quietly, quietly weighing in my head. It, it's like, that's definitely a positive. So right. whereas, whereas with this project, because I draw it so fast, if I'm going to re use an, an asset, I'll just like drop in the pencils and just re-ink it. You know, I'll, I'll drop in the pencils, transform it, let the distortion to the lines happen. Doesn't matter because I'm going to re-ink it anyway because I ink it so fast. So like, there's there's trade-offs, there's pros and cons to to both that way. Hmm. Um, <sighs> so this um, this process that you're that you're using, you provided an awesome overview, and uh, I do think like this is a this is a nice. Um, nice episode to share around that, uh, that I think there's so many, um, instead of going into one nitty gritty detail or whatever, this is like, this, this is practical. Um, thanks for doing this Jersey. It's, uh, like what, um, in your process, are you like, what, what are you working on next for this? And, or in, and, uh, like if someone were to reuse this, it's like, what, I don't know. What do you think is a, uh, I don't know, something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. Um, well, I mean, 
So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do something where I ink it on paper and then import it and then try to watercolor it digitally, which is kind of like a backwards approach to how I would normally do it. Normally, I would like probably pencil and ink it digitally and try to watercolor over top of the the final inks. Um, but now I'm going to go the other way around just as a test for a pitch for Baron Von Baer, which I, I showed uh, that sample image from earlier. Um, and I would say that like, I don't think you necessarily, so this would be my like top level. I don't, I don't want to call it advice, but the thing I would consider if I was embarking on this, this particular application is you don't need to fight all those battles that I showed you all at the same time. I would say, pick the one that's interesting to you. And, um, so in other words, like, well, I, I'm not ready to like draw or ink on a screen. Fair enough. Ink on paper, scan it in and then play with those other tools in Clip Studio Paint. Or maybe you wanted like something I, I did with that John Aman Amazing Man pinup that I showed a couple episodes ago is I penciled it in Clip Studio Paint, printed it out on Bristol, inked it with Crow Quills, and then, you know, scanned it back in and did final touch-ups digitally. Um, so you don't necessarily, like I would say whichever tool stood out to you as being like, oh, that's the, that's the battle to fight. Do all the other stuff the way you used to do it and then just play with that one particular tool. For me, the moment I was sold on Manga Studio slash Clip Studio Paint was when I saw the ruler tools. Once I saw that you could do three-point perspective in that and that it like guides your pen for you and won't let you draw outside of that. And I, when I thought about all the hours I've like tensely had to hold big, long rulers on a giant you know, piece of Bristol board to get my three point perspective working properly and all the French curves I had to employ to get all the curves just right. Um, that was what won me over. So like if there was any one thing it did, uh, that won you over, just play with that tool to start with. So like you could say like, maybe I draw all the characters on paper and I rough in all my backgrounds and then I just draw the backgrounds in clip studio paint. Right. Mm. It, there's, 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 you don't have to, go all in on any tool. All tools are there to assist you in whatever way that you need assistance. It's pretty modular that way. Yeah. That's, that's what's interesting. So you found, and then, so yeah, this was a good, like you can cover almost every part of the process with what you've, you've shared right now, but then you don't have to opt into all those. And I think that is good advice because I get a little haunted and intimidated by the amount of depth where, um, you know, so I, I have, custom brushes but it's disorganized and whatever so i think uh yeah that's what i'm going to try to work on is is figure out ways to keep um keep refining and it's almost like um the, the whole what what do you want to work on next it's like you must have a list and, and that's what i th- and I'm, I'm guessing this and if even if i'm wrong i think i want to try this <laughs> is having a list of like what battles you're trying to fight next with the tool yeah because yeah for you me- must have had that to arrive at this approach yeah, so, I, I've, I, the battle I'm always trying to fight is how can I get this to look as natural media as possible to make it look less digital. In the case of Amazon Academy, I only fought that battle to a point. Like it's like ah, it, if if I try to make this look even more natural media, it's going to cost me X amount of time. With the case of Baron von Baer, it's like can I get the same speed, but to have like a really natural media look to it, right? Like so, like the the tensions I'm always facing is. When does my quest for natural media look uh, cost me more time than I have? When does it encroach upon my resources, right? And so, and and with Amazon Academy, the reason that that battle was fought only to that point was because, unlike my other projects, it's a, it's a, a comic about a girls' school, which means I'm drawing crowds all the darn time. 
I'm always drawing classroom hallways and kids and classrooms. And so there's automatically a huge upfront cost in terms of ex- uh, time to, to actually draw the pages. It takes easily three times the amount of time it takes for that other project I was showing per page, right? So that means that that's going to, that cost is going to encroach upon other costs in terms of making it look more natural media. Okay, well, we're going to have to go with a simple coloring style because I'm spending so much time just drawing the kids. Um, so, yeah. That, so looking more natural media, plus I would guess based on what you seem to have a, um, a preference toward leaving a lot of things editable. Yeah, I do. That, that is, and, and one may, I think, very rightly ask, well, how often do you go back? Actually, with the Boulder and Fleet Mining for Trouble book, I made a, a big error in the page setup, and I didn't have enough bleed space, so I had to go back and edit like 20 pages. And I was really grateful for having that extra editability, because I had to move a lot of stuff around in that book to finally get the print version done. So that was a case where, had I not done it that way, it would have cost me probably three times as much time as it did to get the book ready for print. Hmm. So good to know. All right. That was a, I think we went around a topic there. I think we did too. Thank you, Rob, for, you know, uh, helping navigate the conversation and bringing a lot of really good curiosity to the discussion to help, you know, see your process. Thanks for sharing it. Okay. We record this show weekly. We still don't know exactly what day or time. We will land on that very soon. And, uh, but when we do, we stream it live on YouTube and then we collect it as a podcast at leanatoart.com and patreon.com slash leanatoart. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanatoart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. Well, and I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoarts.com and I'm Rob Stenzinger on Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoarts.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user lean into art and you can reach us via email at lean into art at gmail.com and remember leaners aren't wieners thanks for listening